As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Three, two, one, zero. Hello, welcome to... Episode 124, Duke of Dollars. Hey, Money Clan, a very warm welcome to the Chain of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Walsh. So, Katie, I had so much fun with the Duke of Dollars and... I hope you did and got transformed to a magical kingdom. I did really enjoy the conversation. I actually feel like they were hilarious. They they really were. And I think one of the things that I appreciated most is that they come from two completely different perspectives. I also really appreciate that because you don't read a lot of blogs with that kind of take. No, you don't. So they are following a sort of mentor mentee role and they blog about that which is really fascinating you know it's sort of two different ends of the spectrum so it definitely gives a completely different perspective to what else i've seen out there well and it also if you are a younger person it helps to look long term i think yeah and if you're an older person (laughs) well if you're an older person but if you especially for a younger person to read somebody about your age where they're at, and then where also you can end up in really a few short years. Yeah, totally agree. So before we dive into today's episode, if you guys would like to join us on Facebook, head on over to chainofwealth.com slash group. You can join our Facebook group. There's a ton of people talking about their finances and what they're doing, whether it's paying back debt, saving for a house, whatever you're doing. There's someone out there that can help you and that's already been through the whole process to make your life a little bit easier. All right, Kate, you ready to dive into today's episode? Yeah. Fantastic. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. From the wonderful and mystic kingdom, Master Duke Jack and Master Duke Chris are from dukesofdollars.com, where you can learn how to vanquish your debt, recruit a barracks full of greenback soldiers to do your bidding and establish impenetrable moats to protect your livelihood and ultimately build your own financial kingdom. Welcome! Hey Hey there, welcome. Thank you, thank you for having us on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. So before we start, uh, I love your theme for your blog, how it's all like kings and queens and dukes and everything. 
So I think this is an obvious question. Every good duke has had to breach a castle sometime in their life. What kind of strategy would you use to cross a moat? You know, since they're full of like crocodiles and slimy, squirmy things. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a a, a really tough one for me. This is Chris over over at the blog talking first here. And I'm really interested to hear what Jack has to say because he said that he has a good strategy. Uh, Mine is is pretty simple. If uh, you've ever seen Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, a strategy they use to get into the Earth Kingdom is disguise. So I think that's the way that I would try to get across the moat to the the kingdom. I would dress up as a wit of of the castle. So I'm kind of a traveler. And that's how I'd get past the guards. And even though I didn't get in the water, uh, I would use that strategy to get across into the kingdom to to do my bidding. When you said you would dress up in disguise, I immediately pictured somebody dressing up like a crocodile. (laughs) (laughs) That might be the trick. You might have to go swimming for that one. I'm really glad you clarified that because I was like, oh, so you'd put on an alligator costume. Okay, like that's kind of... A good plan, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And you kind of just like float your way across. (laughs) Yeah, I I would, uh, instead of of going in the water, which we'll see what Jack does, but yeah, I would do more of the, I'm like a ninja in disguise and just walk across the bridge when it's down during the day before they put the guard or the gate up for the night and try (laughs) to use my uh, personable characteristics to to get past the guards <laughs> all right i can get on board with that that's fantastic that's so sneaky all right, that's, so jack what would you do that's, that's so sneaky though I, I can't i can't believe chris that you're taking that cop out strategy I, <laughs> i'm i'm flying in on a dragon if, if that's my option uh, it's got to be a dragon i mean the fire breathing uh it's just a perfect way to swoop in and you know we're not sneaking in i mean we're going in hard so you're you're are, going guns blazing. Yeah. So I have to ask. So you're flying in on the dragon. Is it like flying over the? I obviously really have a thing for moats. Are you like flying over the moat, or are you kind of coming down over the castle like a spaceship? Oh, I'm coming in like a straight dive right for the gate, and my dragon's going to land on top and take out all the guards for me. I'm just going to hop off and and walk down there and take my kingdom over. Is your dragon green? It's absolutely green. Good, okay. good right it I is. Just to, I needed to have a like clear picture in my head. All right, we can continue now. So the pair of you are from quite different backgrounds. Could you tell us about your background, Master Duke and Chris? Chris, that's all you. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go ahead and just start with a quick overview. Uh, I'm from a small town, uh, and I had a, a stable upbringing with two parents, which uh, data shows is really a strong sign of how well you are financially later in life. And I was very fortunate from that. Uh, Not to say that someone that doesn't, uh, like Jack here, can still really battle through uh, different family family lives when you're young. Uh, And so from that that family life I had, I was able to get some really strong values that has really defined how I uh, behave now and take control of different opportunities. Uh, and one of those opportunities for me was sports. They were very supportive uh, during my, my childhood in high school and sports. And that's where I really hammered down those values of hard work and integrity, uh, not lying, those types of things. And, and that led me to college. Um, basically, one of my coaches really recommended 
applying to schools, even though at the time my parents had neither of them had been to college. So I didn't really know what, you know, what that entailed. Uh, and once I got to college, it really opened up a new world for me because from a small town, there's a lot of people with a lot of the similar views and upbringing and college really introduced me to different cultures, um, just a, a world of different experiences, different events on campus, et cetera. And, and from that experience, I was able to thankfully get an, uh, an internship. And, and from there uh, in IT, that's really where uh, my, my financial career, if you will, took off because I met some great people there who, you know, said, hey, look, I know you're in college, but college ends. And at the end of that, that university, and you get that degree, you have your whole life ahead of you and you need to start thinking about what's next. And that really transformed my mind to think, hey, it's time to really take control here. What do I want to do? Why am I here? Why did I even come to college? And from there, I really framed my mindset going forward. And thankfully, from that internship, I turned it into a job uh, thanks to the good people that were mentoring me there. And uh, since then, I've continued working in IT, taking on different roles and growing my income along the way. And I have nothing but uh, great people that have helped me continue that growth on both a career level, but also a huge focus on self-improvement and living a good life and being happy. Uh, so I kind of mixed the two. And that's what really has led me to be so invested in learning about personal finance and uh, growing, growing that freedom of time to be able to pursue some of my passions of helping people in the community. Yeah. And, you know, sort of when you start off in life, you know, I always like to say you're on the straight and narrow and everyone's doing the same thing. You know, you all go to school, you're in the same classes and sort of as you get older and you start like considering maybe additional subjects you can take on or going into college for a particular course or something else like that, or going into your first job, you know, there kind of are more and more tracks that you can go on. And it's sort of interesting seeing, you know, like as you get into those different positions, what your options are and where you're going to go. And it really becomes a game of, it's no longer what is everyone else doing and what should I be doing? It's more a game of what do I want to be doing? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the people that you're around really influence that, uh, really shape you. And by having those good people say, hey, maybe you should take a look at this. Hey, here's an opportunity. Hey, you're doing this wrong. This is something you need to fix. Uh, it really changes that path for you as you go from the straight to your life starts getting curvy. <laughs> you're like, hey, I'm taking on this. <laughs> I'm taking on that. And then, uh, you know, the most important part of like I was saying with the mindset of the future is you can start shaping those curves to a path that gets you to where you really want to be, you know, when you're 20 years down the line. And that's really what is so important about starting early, especially with the finance world. Awesome. And how about you, Master Duke Jack? Well, I want to echo uh, Chris's statement about starting early because uh, that, that's really where my background um, starts to really get interesting. I, I started at 17 uh, working full time and going to college. Um, my, my childhood was a bit rough and uh, I had to make a decision to uh, walk away from family. Uh, we talk uh, a little bit about family on our blog and, and how it's difficult dealing with them. And uh, mine got to the point where I, I cut it off. And so I entered adulthood quite early. I got 
got married. Uh, I graduated college, got a promotion, and left the country for the first time all when I was 21. Uh, so it was a very eventful year for me. Uh, yeah, and you had your first legal drink. Yes, I did. I did. I'm sure it was your first drink ever too, right? It was. I was completely innocent up until that moment. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I started, uh, you know, I was working all the way through college uh, full time. I had uh, benefits and everything. And, um, you know, it was uh, it was a uh, overload to juggle all of that. And um, I really pushed hard through those years. And, you know, I started squirreling away money. I had some inspiration uh, from some of my mentors to, uh, you know, start looking into that. And I, I wrote a blog post on budgetsaresexy.com. Uh, Jay Money uh, featured me there. Uh, really appreciative of him uh, letting me tell my story about, you know, I kind of learned um, how to be a man, how to uh, build a financial future by doing the opposite of what I saw my parents do. Um, so that was a, a bit of a learning lesson for me. Um and, you know, after I was kind of established, I was about a quarter of the way through financial independence. Uh, my life completely changed. Uh, my, my only family really at that time, my core family was my wife and her parents and her parents uh, were killed. And uh, both of them at the same time. And they left behind about $500,000 for their daughter. Um, and so... My wife and I have uh, been very fortunate in that respect, but also have lost a lot, um, immeasurable. And so we've really set out to, um, you know, take the combination of my career earnings, where we are at, where I'm continuing to be successful, combine that with what uh, we have been left uh, from our loss and, and do good in the world. And I, I talk about that and I've, I've mentioned it on the blog and I'll be talking about it more because we're in the midst of the greatest wealth transfer that's ever happened. Uh, baby boomers are passing their wealth to millennials and it's just getting started. Uh, but it's going to be uh, a lot of people are going to be inheriting anything from, you know, a thousand dollars all the way up to millions. And, um, you know, we want to be a resource and kind of a guiding light as to what do you do when, when you're in that situation? And it's a difficult topic. And we want to be uh, some of the leaders with, with tackling that. That is quite an interesting, like, dilemma that you're in. First of all, I'm sure, like, going through that kind of a family struggle, like, no matter how much money you get, it's, it doesn't replace like that empty heart and sadness feeling. But at the same time, I never thought about what you said about how the baby boomers and my mom is a baby boomer and how people who are millennials now are going to eventually be getting money left to them. And I've never really thought about that, how people who are probably in like massive amounts of student loan debt are going to eventually be getting would you call it like an inheritance? Yeah, like it, it is an inheritance and it's a natural sort of thing to eventually happen. But you never really think about it as someone that's a younger person, like in, in, in this case, millennials, you know, like you yeah. never think of your grandparents or parents passing and leaving you money. And when it does happen, it is a major question. It, it's almost like, not to say it's winning the lottery, but it, it's inheriting a large sum of money, which you're not expecting. And I completely agree. Like, what do you do with it? You know, and yeah, it's a great question. I and I think providing a resource to millennials is crucial. Because I don't think anybody really looks at their parents as like, ooh, so when you kick, I'm going to get all this well, money. Well, some people do, but we don't talk about them. <laughs> well, I don't know. Right. And, and the really interesting I don't know thing. about other people, but in my family, um, 
I'm not I'm not planning on my retirement from that. So No, no, it would be a terrible idea to do that because you really don't know until it happens how it's all going to break out. And um, you know, the really interesting thing, you know, $500,000 is a massive sum of money, but uh my wife's dad was a mechanic. He owned his own shop for over 50 years and uh his uh, his wife, uh, my mother-in-law was a receptionist. I mean, so we're talking about, you know, basically blue careers and, you know, between insurance and the assets that they had built up, um, not only did they have the shop that was filled with uh, junk and, and some valuable things, but in tools, but they also lived in the same house for 40 years. And so the attic and the basement, it was a long arduous process uh, had a lot of legal curveballs thrown our way and after three years that's how long it took us to, to actually close things out i can completely believe that and so it's, yeah. it's been it's been a, a definite life change for us but you know we've we've done our best to uh, establish uh, and nurture relationships to kind of rebuild our family uh in picking some of the best people in the world, we believe to to be core family members of ours and help us, and we'll help them through the uh, through through life. And um, so that, mm-hmm. that's really our goal. And and we've done things uh, such as scholarships uh, in in memorial for my in laws. And um, philanthropy is is definitely coming up as something on the horizon for us. I think that's really uh, quite amazing because you want to take that money and kind of honor their life and not frivolously spend it at the mall or you know on ridiculous things but to be able to give back and be philanthropic and help others i think is the best way to spend that kind of sum of money absolutely and and it's definitely giving us a stepping stone to to be financially independent um you know that threshold is is such a gray area once you get real close to it because um, you can be financially independent to the point where you can support the basics but can you support the life that you actually want to live and um, you know the life that we want to live involves a lot of giving back and I'm at the peak of my career right now so the plan is to uh, you know keep pushing through and and keep putting ourselves in a position to be stronger and stronger and, and a bigger force in the community yeah and if you're enjoying what you're doing why not yes ex- exactly yeah, so to kind of piggyback on on this topic, uh, you have quite a popular article on your site. Um, it's about whether, as family members, we should give to our friends and our family like free money. And it's kind of an interesting topic. It's not really spoken about very often. And I was wondering kind of what your thoughts are on helping family members out. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's over here to, to Chris. Um, I wrote that article. So if you don't mind, if I take maybe a couple couple minutes here just to give a little bit of overview of like how that article came to be and a little bit of the story behind it. Yeah, please. Okay, sure. So that really happened because uh, like I was saying at the beginning, our blog has been more of like a hobby. Uh, so as a hobby, we don't necessarily have scheduled posts every week. And sometimes we just get some some passion or something is going on. So we're like, hey, maybe the readers would really enjoy this. Uh, and that's kind of what this this blog post came from. Uh, I personally have dealt with this. And it hasn't been a negative in my life at all. It's just a decision point. Uh, basically, when I was in college, my family went through some financial hardships uh, because of a divorce. And uh, since that... That's where really the the quote that has lived with me since then was, 
you know, back when I was in elementary school or middle school, I can remember my, my dad telling me once, that, you know, if anything ever happens to me, you know, you have to be the man of the family uh, as I was the only only male child uh, in the family. So I, that that really stuck with me. And so, you know, divorce can be really uh, devastating to someone in their in the middle of their life. And for my mom, it was very, very devastating and really set her back. Uh, and since then, you know, you go through grief, uh, you know, you can have depression, you can have a lot of different emotions, hate, you know, all these different, different things are part of a divorce. And a, and a big one is money, you know, for us. And so where this blog, this blog post really came from is I was listening to a motivational speaker by the name of Eric Thomas, who really talked about people that reach out to him to give them opportunities. And he went on a little bit of a rant in that podcast I was listening to about, hey, if I'm the one that's sacrificing and I'm the one waking up early, he, he mentioned 2 a.m. and I'm the one that's motivational speaking at schools for free and you're at home watching Netflix or a sports game, like, why do you deserve to get anything from me? And he wasn't saying it in a negative way. He was being honest with people saying, if you want something in your life, it is up to you to get it. And so that's really the, the motivation behind that. Because uh, for me, my decision is for my mom, you know, if she needs help, there's a really big stigma against, hey, family is blood. You always have to help your family. And for my mom, that's very true. It's not always the case like Jack mentioned with his growing up. Uh, and so for me, I, I just think that it came to the conclusion of a new theory for me where it's, you know, those who really take the time to read and make these sacrifices required for a stable financial life are the ones that have to make this decision more often. And so I think thought experiments are really helpful to be prepared for it. And so I want to just end with, you know, overall, my conclusion based on the comments and the article was some people say no, some say, some people say it depends. And for me, it really is life is not so black and white, but there's a lot of gray areas in there. So I just want to caution people that there's a, a really thin line of enabling someone to not get their life back in order or be motivated to continue improving or build back up through a hardship uh, versus empowering them to do it. And for me, I was, I'm really doing my best to empower my mom because I love her and I care about her, but I'm really terrified of enabling her. And so that's the line that I really flirt with uh, often to really make sure I'm doing the, the empowering instead. I can really appreciate that. And one of my favorite quotes is, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Yes, exactly. And that's talking to exactly what you're speaking about there in terms of being able to enable someone. It It is about that. And, you know, it's like you say, there is, it is a very gray area. There's no right or wrong answer because obviously circumstances will vary and there's never going to be the exact same situation in two families. But ultimately, you need to be able to, if you are giving to other people, you need to be at a point where you're okay financially yourself. You know, and, and that's a difficult point to reach as well, because obviously, you know, especially if you're a younger person, you're trying to get ahead in life and sometimes you can't afford it, you know, mm -hmm. and you have to be able to take care of yourself first before you can take care of other people. And sometimes that's a very tough call to make. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's really where the decision point comes to is, you know, what's the best for me and my family and 
that's where the empowering piece really comes in. So I'm really thankful and fortunate that I'm in a position, thanks to some of the, the luck I've had uh, with opportunities in IT, uh, which weren't on purpose, uh, have allowed me to be in a you know position to really help and grow along with her through it. Uh, but, you know, I'm just one, you know, one situation, like you're saying, I know, Jack, you have a, a very different take or maybe similar take, but a different situation. Right. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that that not all all family, uh, you know, aren't necessarily blood. That blood doesn't automatically mean that um, you're a member of my family. At least in my opinion, you know, my family, as I mentioned earlier, was basically destroyed and got down to just me and my wife, and we had to look out and say, "Well, who who is who's our family now?" And um, you know, in a sense, we kind of recruited our own and, and named our own family. And my blood family, you know, it's not the reason that we had a falling out. It's not the reason that I'm estranged, but um, shortly before the estrangement occurred, um, my mom came to me and demanded $30,000, uh, not just ask for or want a loan, just give me $30,000. I know you've got it and we need it. Um, that's the kind of uh, relationship that was there. Um, so th- that obviously didn't happen. And, um, you know, it, it was a, a conflict, not the reason that the relationship came to an end. Um, but I think it's an example of, you know, some people just really don't deserve it. And, um, you know, the people that do deserve it, we are all about helping out. Um, you know, we bought college books. We've uh, given away a car. We, we've done many things that um, help the people that are closest to us that we identify as family. Yeah. So for people that are looking to transform their financial life, say someone that hasn't really dived at all into personal finance, what would you say is some of the first steps that people should take financially? That's a, that's a really good question. Uh, since you, you know, you've typed in personal finance and there's so many blogs that come up, you know, big sites, smaller, smaller niches. Uh, and really what I, I found is the most important step uh, outside of just the interest of being uh, financially stable or where do I start is really finding, you know, why, why do I want to be financially stable? Because that's what really drives the sacrifices and the effort. And for some people writing, you know, they, they start their own blogs to detail their journey uh, for one, for fun, uh, enjoyment, and also for support because the personal finance community that we're all a part of, uh, you know, we all enjoy helping each other out along the way. So I would say the first thing I really recommend to anyone that is starting to have that passion to say, you know, why am I even going to eat peanut butter and jellies for a whole week to save money? And what will make me do it? <laughs> and I think that's that's the key. And then I'll pass it over to Jack for some more of the the strategies that he would recommend since he's kind of the one that helped me start. Yeah, I think establishing the why is definitely step one. I, I think you nailed it on that. Uh, when you get into the mechanics of, of how to become financially stable, I, I look at it as there's opportunities out there to capture free money. Um, that could come in the form of a 401k match. It could come in the form of tax breaks for setting aside money. Uh, it can come in the form of sign-up bonuses for credit cards. Uh, you could even sell some of your unwanted stuff on Craigslist. There's, there's money out there that you can capture. And the earlier you capture it and put it to work and get it invested, Get those uh, little greenback soldiers out there doing the work for you and providing you, showering you with cash. I mean, that's the whole goal. Um, So why not start with the free money? I completely can get behind that. 
as I am sitting here and after we are done with our chat, I am going bird scooter hunting to <laughs> awesome. it's like my new side hustle. It's like the it's like the best thing that I've ever done. Yeah, could you maybe uh, explain for uh the uninformed what that is? <laughs> yeah. Bird uh, I think you that's mean completely bird justifiable. Is not, uh, that you don't know. So anyway, um so in major cities now there are you know, just like how there's Uber and there's Lyft and stuff like that. There are these scooters, like, you know how every big city typically has like the, you can rent a bike and you can mm -hmm. kind of ride, you pay like a lot of money to ride these terrible bikes that are really hard to pedal and everything. Well, so now there are these new things for the unathletic slash lazy. Um, they are scooters and they're just parked all over town. And you scan it, and then it's like a dollar to ride it, and then a like what, 15, 15 cents, cents minutes, yeah. to ride it per minute. Um, and all it is is a scooter, and it's like it's super easy to ride and everything. But a great side hustle is at night you go, they apply to be a charger, and then you go, they send you a like a couple of chargers, and the charger looks kind of like an like a laptop battery. And you go around, you pick up these bird scooters and they pay you anywhere between like five and 20 bucks, depending on like how dead and how hard the scooter is to find. And the other night we did it, we made like 30 bucks and it was, I want to say like 30 minutes of work. Wow. I, I always wondered, you know, how do those scooters stay charged? And now I know it's Katie out there scooping them up. Yeah, it, is, <laughs> it is the hustlers out there um, scooping up birds. And the, I want to say it's a pretty easy side gig. The worst part, honestly, is you have to wake up a little bit earlier to have them back out into their nest. And there are like nests all over town. So if you are early in the morning and you see like three or four bird scooters sitting together you're probably in a nest um and you get the you put them back in their nest and then you scan them in and then that day you get paid right away it's amazing yeah that's wow. that's clutch that sounds like uh, pokemon go with real money involved yes it is. it is that is a great way that's a great way to uh describe it and we uh so a while ago we went on like a real safari when we were in South Africa. And I had to wear my glasses in order to be able to find any animals on the safari. Which, believe it or not, like to find an elephant, like a real elephant in the real wild can be a little mm. tricky. Um, so I needed my glasses. So I kind of relay it to like being on like a city safari because I still have to wear my glasses in order <laughs> to be able to see the birds. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> and... The other night, like, we picked up a bird and, like, I don't know, something was wrong with it. And it, like, I want to say that it squawks, but it doesn't squawk. It beeps. It, it has, like, an alarm. <laughs> it started beeping. And this lady at the at an ATM just kind of turned around and, like, shamefully looked at me like, are you stealing oh, no. scooter? And I, like, I felt the need to kind of justify, like, I don't know what's wrong with it, but, like, I've scanned it. I'm going home to charge it and I'll wipe it down. And... You know, I'm just giving it a safe place to sleep tonight. This is mine, yeah, I swear. You'll have, uh, you have to get a uh, a scooter, a scooter uh, uniform, scooter returning uniform. So and dress up before I go. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just wanted to add one other thing uh, 
to Jack's answer. I know he gave some high level, uh, high level strategies and free money is always good inside hustling uh, like you're doing, Katie. So I know, you know, people that are listening to your podcast probably already have the why, you know, that's why they're listening to get more information on what to do next. Uh, so I just wanted to take maybe two tips I think were, were really helpful for me, which was the first one I created a blog feed uh, and basically just anytime I found a blog that was related to personal finance and I felt like they were, there was a passion and they were really trying to teach or they were giving a lot of good uh, information like Jay Money does, I added it to the list. So instead of, uh, you know, those times where you're walking or you're on public transport and you're looking at Instagram or Facebook, delete those apps and then turn your attention to the personal finance blogs because you never know those little tidbits and how much they add up over time. And then the second thing is uh, sign up for Mint. Uh, it's an online tool for budgeting and it makes it really easy to connect to your bank accounts. And even for the first couple months, you don't even have to budget. It's more just letting the tool do it for you. And you can start seeing where some of your money goes. And sometimes that leads to unexpected surprises on how much you eat out or spent on clothes the last couple of months and shows you where you can start really trimming some of the fat uh, to, to take on some other goals that you have from the learnings that you get from the blogs. I think that is great advice. Um, actually, today, as I was driving home from work, I was listening to music for like 10 minutes and it was just like, it was like one bad song after another. And I like was flipping through the radio stations and I couldn't find anything. I was like, you know what? I am wasting my time. And I turned on uh, like one of my favorite podcasts and the rest of the way home, it was so much more enjoyable. Oh, that's awesome. And, yeah. And I felt inspired by the time I got home. I was in a better mood instead of just listening to like the same like five or six songs that seemed to just constantly play on repeat. I felt like I had actually used my time wisely as I was driving home. That's a mental model that we really uh, tried to pursue concurrent benefit. So if you're doing, uh, you know, two things at once, you know, even getting out and collecting those scooters, uh, you're doing some exercise as well. So you're, you're getting a few of your goals in uh, with the same activity. Right. Yeah. And it's an important skill to know because, you know, we only have so many hours in the day, so you really have to maximize your income generating time or maybe your exercise generating time and whatever else it is, like time management is absolutely crucial and it's a valid skill everyone can learn. So talking a little bit about debt and, you know, one great way to pay off debt is to side hustle and everything. And that's my main uh, focus and goal is that's why I'm out bird hunting almost every week of the night to make some extra money for my student loan, you guys have a section on your website about the war on debt. And I think it's not really a surprise to anybody that, at least in America, like people are drowning. There's the student loan epidemic and there's credit card debt and then medical debt. Could you tell us a little bit about your favorite posts on that and kind of like your insight on it? Definitely, definitely. Uh, so. The way that the Great War of Debt really started was uh, after I got into my career, I gave myself around a year, uh, maybe a year and a couple months to really get my foundation uh, set before taking on the goal of becoming debt free. Uh, and for me, that included getting a work wardrobe since I didn't have one from college. I was pretty broke in college. Like I have a post written about one time I had rice and barbecue for dinner. 
uh, was it a rice and barbecue sauce that is so not too filling and, and <laughs> taking that, you know, where I started from in college when my family was going through some hardships uh, that didn't, you know, if you're going through hardship, you're going to have student loans from it. And so I gave myself a year to really get a foundation emergency fund, uh, my clothes, et cetera, and being able to do my 401k match, some of the basics that we have outlined on our blog. Uh, and then I said, you know what, for the next two, three years, depending on how well my side hustles go, which I might have to take up the, the scooter one here uh, in the Midwest. It's, it's a winner. Yeah, it sounds it's great. so easy. Yeah, it sounds like a really easy one, especially with the amount of time you spend. So I, I took this goal and said, you know what, I do eventually want financial independence. And to me, uh, I've witnessed it. I've been a part of it with some of my family hardships where debt really is a big mistake to avoid uh, really early because like we've talked about, starting young is so important. And then when you start talking about credit card debt, not even student loans, where the interest is 20% on the, the money that you're using, some people are, you know, you're only paying that interest and the, the balance is growing each month, even though you're making a payment. And you know, that can really hamper what you want to do in your life later. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to take these two or three years. I'm going to make a huge list of frugal activities I love, walking, reading, going to the library. Uh, if someone wants to go to a happy hour or something like that, I'll drink water. Uh, just these small, small sacrifices that can add up. No clothes for these, this time since I had my wardrobe built up. And with the goal of... After these two or three years of the sacrifice, uh, I'll be debt free. And then that will lead me to have uh, a big focus on where I want to go next, whether that's investing or real estate or other side hustles, businesses, etc. And then the way that I took this one was uh, actually a strategy that Jack uh, may have coined himself. Uh, and it's called the student loan pool strategy. Uh, and I'm including my auto loan in, in my debt in my student loan pool. But basically the way this works is most people would recommend, hey, you have this debt. So instead of making the minimum payment, you know, double that payment. And by doing that, you reduce the overall amount of interest you pay for the loan uh, and you're, you're getting it paid off faster. Uh, but for us, we decided that it's more important to have an emergency fund in case something really serious happens, an illness, uh, your family, something could happen in your family that, you know, they need help. So instead of putting that double payment into the loan, which it goes into the student loan pool payment that you never see again, we decided to like, let's do a strategy where we put it in a savings account. And with the understanding that we might pay another thousand or $2,000 over the time it takes us to save up the total amount of the loan, but we get that comfort in knowing that that money is there in case something big happens because we haven't actually increased our pay, like our, our cash flow every month until that loan is totally paid off. Uh, so we decide, hey, we have this savings account. You have you know, $20,000 in loans. You wait till that savings account hits 20000 and you pay it off in one go. And now you not only have you become debt free, but you now have increased your cash flow at the same time. And we find that it's a worthwhile loss of $1,000 for that peace of mind of if something really serious happened in our life during the, the time we're trying to be debt free. Uh, and so, yeah, that's really what the, the Great Word Debt is all about. And then uh, at the end of it, Jack recommended taking a trip or something. So 
uh, hopefully in a, in two years, maybe we can come come back to the podcast and talk about how I travel hacked all of Europe to celebrate my debt-free life. <laughs> That's a challenge to you right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll definitely have you back on and a little tip, the Uber credit card is amazing with X points. Highly recommend it. Awesome. Okay, we'll definitely look into it. <laughs> Shane, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. If you're looking for some money tips to really help you get ahead, head on over to chainofwealth.com slash money tips. This is a post that Katie put together. It has 17 hacks that can really help you get ahead. It's definitely worth a read and hopefully you can pick something out from there that will work for you. That's chainofwealth.com slash money hacks. All right, guys. So we've talked about this kind of a little bit, uh, but I'm just curious what your saving or retirement plans are. Yeah, for me, uh, my focus continues really at first to be on maxing my retirement accounts, paying off my debt uh, to set myself up for the future of a strong, realistic retirement plan uh, with multiple streams of income, like I said, with either real estate or businesses, etc. But for me, my main focus is debt and uh, retirement accounts until I get to that that stage. And for me, I'm at the point where investing and tax strategy are two of my top priorities. Uh, I also have a pretty successful independent consultant business uh, that I am focusing on maintaining and, and growing my skills so that I can better serve my clients and uh, you know keep keep my career going at at full speed. I love how you two are at like two totally different ends of the spectrum. So it really gives your readers like a full holistic view of both sides. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We try to, we try to offer that, uh, you know, kind of get, get both uh, pictures. Uh, you know, Chris is, is doing great with uh, helping people start out and I'd like to help people uh, kind of finish up their retirement plans. Yeah. So speaking about a lot of you know, like training and strategy and stuff like that. Do you guys have any uh, books or podcasts you could recommend? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. So, you know, one of my, our first I'll recommend to the the chainers is to continue listening to the Chain of Wealth podcast. Thank uh, you, thank you. It's a, you know, a good resource. And then uh, this one may not be so much financial, but I really like the stuff you should know. Uh, just to learn about different topics, I think is really important to be diverse. Uh, there's Planet Money, which is just quick 20 minute episodes about, excuse me, about things in the economy or interesting financial topics. And then lastly, Hidden Brain, which is more about psychology, but it can really help you become a better thinker as you take on some of the challenges that financial, uh, personal finance brings to you. And I have to, of course, um, recommend your money or your life uh, that's the book that really started it all for me and I, I know a lot of people in the personal finance world um, that was kind of their original personal finance bible if you will and uh, it really lays out the strategy uh, in black and white and gives you a roadmap. and i love that book too it also comes on audiobook so if you do have kind of a long commute to work and tired of the same old songs all the time you can listen to it to and from work and it's really an easy listen. It's really well written and easy to understand. And, and once you get through it, uh, for a lot of people, I think it's such a light bulb off. Right. It definitely did for me. So do you guys have a favorite quote that you try to live by? I do. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think one that's really important from one of our favorite 
people in the world is Charlie Munger. And he says, you know, to get what you want, you have to deserve what you want. Uh, because it's really important. People want, we're like, even millennials are known for being a little bit entitled uh, by some of the older generations. So it's really important to work hard and have that character to really deserve what it is that you want to do and make the sacrifices required to do so. And for me, uh, I'm going to go a little bit off topic here. Um, I have a quote that I kind of live by that's carried me through some very hard times. Uh, it was by a Frenchman in, I believe, the 16th century. He said, I'm going to butcher this in French and then translate it. He said, Carcass, tu tremble, tu tremblerai bien davantage si tu savais où tu menais. And what it means is, Carcass, you tremble. You'll tremble even more violently if you know where I'm taking you. And I have dealt with uh, a, a tremendous amount of, of pain and loss I mentioned earlier, and also um, some some physical challenges that I've had to really push through. I've had some uh, some things, some events, some places to go where I didn't really want to go, and my body didn't want to go. But it's a matter of uh, getting your mind uh, empowered and and allowing your courage and your bravery to to carry your body through some of those hard times. Gentlemen, we've absolutely loved hanging out with you today. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, definitely. We've enjoyed hanging out, out too. This is, has been really, really cool. Uh, I have just three quick points that I think are really important for those just getting started in their career or making a big change in their life. Uh, the first one is using inversion as in thinking backwards. Uh, and start learning mental models to really guide some of the big decisions in your life. Uh, secondly, is really avoid some of the big mistakes, especially in personal finance. One that I would consider is like credit card debt. And if you get into that that mistake or you're struggling through that, really learn from it and do what you got to do to get past it. And then lastly, uh, I feel, you know, like I said, with my small town upbringing, uh, being or having integrity, being really reliable. Uh, and working hard will really, really help you along your your path as you build your financial kingdom. And for me, I'll keep it brief. Um, first of all, uh, thank you so much for having us. I've had an excellent time chatting with everybody. Dennis and Katie, uh, you've been excellent hosts and, and we're really glad to be here. Uh, so for your listeners, I just have a little bit of advice. Start young and you're never going to get younger than you are right now. Um, so So get on it, capture the free money and invest it. Shane, as we've been hanging out with Master Duke Jack and Master Duke Chris, you can check out their website. It's dukeofdollars.com and definitely have a look at that site. There's a ton of awesome resources and it gives you both perspectives. So it's definitely something different out there. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 